Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Gathering Church, a place of grace. Sit back, relax, and listen in. All right, let's get into our question. Shoot, Pastor Alverna. All right, Pastor, here we go. First question. Okay. Is it okay to do pretty much anything sexually if it's with your spouse? Uh Uh-oh. Is it okay? Well, let's talk about this, okay? Okay, children, just still youth ministry. All right. Tell you this is church, amen. You don't hear about this stuff in church. Is it sweet, but... Can you do anything with your spouse? Pretty much. Pretty much. Anything. Anything. But let me say this. God has made a man and God has made a woman. Amen? And so with man and woman, okay, God has made us to to be joined together. Whatever is natural, that's the word, natural, that's the word. Whatever is natural, whatever God created to be natural, amen, that is what you can do within the bonds of marriage, within the bonds of holy matrimony. Amen? The Bible says in Song of Songs, chapter 4, verse 16, Blow on my garden, that its fragrance may spread abroad. Let my lover come into his garden and taste of his choicest fruit. Now, these words sound so poetic, but these words are actually talking about the very activity of becoming one physically. The love that a man shares with his wife. So, yes, you can do just about anything naturally, okay? We ain't talking about bringing any extras, okay? Trying to keep it PG. Bringing any extras in God's holy bedroom, amen? Because the bed is undefiled, the Bible says, amen? And so whatever is holy, whatever is righteous, that is what you can bring, amen, into the holy place, the bedroom. So, Pastor, if one of the spouses, I'm throwing a monkey wrench on him right now. So, Pastor, if, they, if one of the spouse, you know, basically say, you know, I really don't feel comfortable doing that, then what? Well, this is something that you and your spouse need to talk about. Amen? We're not a slave to each other. Amen? We, uh, if we're going to build intimacy in our marriage, in our relationship, it's something that needs to be discussed. It's something that needs to be talked about before you do anything, because you never, ever want to infringe on the boundaries of your spouse. Amen? The Bible tells us that we need to show that unconditional love. That unconditional love means it's a patient love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not boastful. Love is not self-seeking. It's not what I can get from this, but it's what I can give into this. Somebody say amen. Amen. All right. So that's what we're talking about. All right. That's real good. All right. We're starting to eat. I hope you all have your forks out. All right. Number two, Pastor, is it okay for us to live together if we'll probably get married one day? Hmm, that's a good one. And we, we, we see that one a lot. Um, let me do this. This is for our singles, mainly. Yeah, yeah let, let's show a video on that one. Let, let's, let's see what the video says. Well, Chad and Jamie, you've chosen the vows of cohabitation. So, Chad, if you would do the honor of looking into your partner's eyes and with every bit of truth that you can muster up, would you repeat after me? I, Chad. I, Chad. Take you, Jamie. Take you, Jamie. To be my cohabitant. To be my cohabitant. To have sex with you. To have sex with you. And to hold you responsible for half the bills. And to hold you responsible for half the bills. To love. To love. 
and to take advantage of and you. Take advantage of you. From this day forward. From this day forward. Or for as long as our arrangement works out. Or as long as our arrangement works out. I will be. I will be. More or less faithful to you. More or less faithful to you. As long as my needs are met. As long as my needs are met. And if nothing better comes along. And if nothing better comes along. If we should break up. If we, we should, should break, break up. up it does not mean this wasn't special to me. It doesn't mean this wasn't special to me. Because I love you. Because I love, because you. I love you. Almost as much as I love myself. Almost as much as I love myself. I commit to live with you. I commit to live with you. For as long as it works out. As long as, long as, as this works, works out. out. So, so help me. 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 In the name of sex. In the name of sex. Options. Options. And selfishness. And selfishness. Amen. Amen. Well, Chad and Jamie, I want to be the first to congratulate you both. You are now officially living together. I sincerely wish you the very best, and I hope that this does work out. And now, Chad, you may do the honor. You may, well, you guys know what to do. Amen. <laughs> Amen. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, the marriage should be marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure so even even if you believe that this person that you're with you're so in love with this person you 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 see yourself being married to this person but until they put that ring on your finger until you make that commitment to the lord and to each other the marriage bed should be kept pure i know that and we, we talked about this in the previous weeks that the world has its standards, but God also has his standards. And to the world, we look old-fashioned. But if we look, but, but looking at the world in God's perspective, the world looks weird. The world will call Christians foolish, followers of Jesus Christ foolish by the way we live, but yet we call the world foolish by some of the mistakes and things that they do. So God's standard is different from the world's standard. And God is still a God of order. He's still a God of truth. And he's still a God of purity. And he will want us to live in purity so that even before we get mad, we should remain pure and holy so that we don't turn this concept of sex and just into some type of act. But it will be something that's beautiful. It will be a beautiful gift that's shared between one man and one woman. But we don't know how good they're going to be, Pastor. Well, we don't need to um, put the cart in front of the horse. Amen? If we trust that God has brought this person into our life, we don't need to milk them to see how the milk is going to taste. Amen? But we can, but, but, but we can trust God that if he's blessing this part of our relationship, that he's going to bless even the physical part of our relationship once we go into marriage. Amen? All right. Amen? All right. No ringy, no dingy, y'all. All right. Hey, I like that. <laughs> All right. So how do I get to know someone without becoming emotionally vulnerable? Oh, this is a good one, especially for my sisters. Because, you know, you're praying, Lord, send me a man. Send me a good man. But what did I say last week? You don't want a good man. You want a... Thank you, Sister Marie. You want a godly man. Amen. You want to save Man, the Holy Ghost filled. Man. So you pray, you say, Lord, send me a man. God sends you somebody. You, you have a connection with them. But you just find yourself just really falling head over heels. 
Like you just want to let you, you almost forgot, forget that you saved. You're just so in love. You're just ready just to let it all out. You're just ready just to just pour your love on him. But the Bible gives us some, some caution. He wants us to, 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 to be cautious. The word of God wants us to be cautious, cautious in how we deal with someone who we find attractive or who we have chemistry with. First of all, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 32, it says, Do not cause anyone to stumble. So sisters, you know, we, 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 we're going to be modest in the way we present ourselves. Amen. Amen. We know women got curves. We know you ain't shaped like square boxes. Amen. Praise the Lord. We got some beautiful sisters in the house. If you're beautiful, say hey. Hey. Oh, y'all sound kind of weak. If y'all beautiful, say hey. Hey. And brothers, if you got it going on, say what's up. What's up? All right. All right. All right. All right. So we don't want to do anything that will cause our brothers or our sisters for that, mind, for, for that fact to, to, to stumble. So we want to be careful in how we deal with them. We want to be careful. Sometimes we could be very, what's the word, flirtatious with each other and, and lead each other on. You know how ladies, how you bat the eyes and you do your hair. You know, I got my hair did. And, and you know, you, got, you, know you, you just got the whole thing working, the whole full package. You know, for the brother, you want to look good. Amen. It's tight and it's right. It's tight and it's right. There you go, honey. And so we don't want to cause each other to stumble, the Word of God says. Also, the, the Bible says in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2, it says, Abstain from, from all appearances of evil. So anything that will cause my brother or my sister to stumble, I need to abstain for that stuff. Amen. I don't. I don't need to wear something that's so revealing that there's this, I, there's no room for imagination. I, I, Amen. I, I don't. I don't need to see us. You don't need to wear clothes like a second pair of skin. Amen. For is the, did I say that? Ouch. Okay. It got tight in here. Okay. Yeah. We don't need to wear clothes like 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 a, like a second coat of skin. Amen. We we need to dress modest and be modest. Also, the Bible says, and this is a key one. The Bible says, "Guard your heart." In Proverbs, it says, "Guard your heart." So out of it flows the wellspring of life. So you have to keep yourself guarded. Even though you want to give your heart to this person, you, you're falling in love with this person, but you have to keep yourself guarded. You have to keep yourself guarded. You have to protect yourself because ultimately your heart belongs to God. Amen? I taught you that, you, that God wants us to love him more than we love our spouses. See, what happens sometimes where God answers our prayer and he sends us a mate Amen. Sometimes we forget about God. We forget about the creator, and we worship the creation. And then we put our man, we put our woman in the place of God, but that's not how God, that's not how God has set up marriage. Marriage was set up as a triangle. God was always supposed to be the head of man and man the head of wife. It was a beautiful triangular picture so Christ can be the head at all times of the man, of the woman, and he'll be the head of all things. So that's the focus. So I encourage you, protect yourself, guard your heart. Um, don't cause your brother and your sister to stumble and abstain from the very appearance of evil. All right. So once you're single, you don't share everything. No, you don't share everything. No, 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 no. You don't, you, you, you don't bend around the world and you don't even be around the world. Don't even go around the block. That's the problem. We go around the block too much. And then we, 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 we have all, all this baggage that we bring into marriage. That becomes, a, 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 that becomes a, a, a weight and it becomes a, a, a distraction from us really walking into the promise of God because now we have to clean out our bag and get rid of all this stuff from the previous relationships that we've been in and all the other issues and all the other things that we have accumulated along the way. So walk in purity. 
And take it in stages. And take it in stages. All right. Don't talk about you met him the first day and, oh, we're going to get married. Don't even bring up the marriage word. You got to wow. Ladies, don't go home and start signing your last name to his to, to your name. Mr. and Mrs. Simpson. Slow that down. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, now, I, I do want to say one thing, Pastor, because, you know, we, we do want them saved, and, you know, that's all good, but I see some super spiritual brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. and I think sometimes that could be a, a problem, too. Mm-hmm. So we do want them saved, but we want them sane right. and stable. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Not super spiritual. You know what I'm saying? They're super spiritual and deep in debt. You know uh, what I'm saying? So... I'm just putting it out there. And they, and they should have a job, Pastor Alverna. Amen, amen, amen. All right. You remember the old Stability. song? Ain't nothing going on but the rent. Okay, now. You got to have a J-O-B if you want to be. Okay, let me, let's, uh, y'all know about that. <laughs> what y'all know that song? But balance. 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 That's right. Balance. All right, now. That, that's the goal. That is the goal. All right, now. So what does God desire most in marriage? What does God desire most in marriage? Let's go to another video on that one. I promise to love, honor, and respect you. I promise to love, cherish, and protect you. From this day forward. Till death do us part. I remember our wedding day. It was awesome. I mean, my dress was gorgeous, and all of the flowers were so beautiful. And everybody that I loved was there, you know, all of my family. And the day was just amazing. I mean, it was good. It was really, really good. And there was this moment right before I walked down the aisle, and I remember looking up to God and just feeling so thankful for this man that he had given me. I was scared to death. Seriously, I thought I was going to pee my pants. I mean, I don't usually get in front of people like that, let alone wearing a tux. <laughs> Come on. I, I forgot to go to the bathroom before the ceremony started, and, and I kept thinking, don't pee yourself, and don't lock your knees, and keep breathing. And then all of a sudden, I looked up, and there she was. She took my breath away. And I never wanted it back. Our honeymoon was Amazing. I mean, we went to a tropical island, and it was just a whole week of relaxing, and we got to walk on the beach a lot and just spend time together. We were just so in love. We went to the street vendors, you know, and we were looking around at stuff, and we didn't have a lot of money, but I picked up this amber necklace, and I put it up against her skin, and I knew she had to have it because she was worth it. And And then then we we went went home. Once we got home, it was like something strange started to happen. I mean, it was like aliens came into our bedroom, scooped out his brain, and filled it with gummy bears. Yeah. Okay, well, you know we have a dishwasher, right? What? Yeah, yeah, and you're really good at it, too, sweetheart. Um, would you not interrupt me when I'm watching TV, or at least wait till commercial? You see what I mean? Gummy bears. After the honeymoon, I had a sneaking suspicion that she was sneaking out at night and taking night classes at some college on some foreign language because everything she said made zero sense. Do you like this shirt on me? Yeah, looks good. So you don't like the color? What? 
If you don't like the color, just say you don't like the color. I mean, I don't even know why I try to look nice for you. Wait, what just happened here? Why don't you think I'm pretty? Why? Well, hold on. I do think you're pretty. Well, you never say it. I'm sorry. I think you're pretty. Well, you can't say it now. I just told you to say it. I mean, what? that totally doesn't even count. But wait, how am I supposed to know what I'm supposed to say unless you tell me what I'm supposed to say? I can't believe you don't love me anymore. I wonder some days what I ever saw in him. Did you know, in the mornings when she wakes up, her breath will melt your face off. He farts and then holds my head under the covers. That's not okay. Honestly, I'm a little scared because I think I might have married my mother. Well, I wouldn't have to act like his mother if he didn't act like a child. I mean, close the refrigerator door, pick up your shoes, take out the garbage. Seriously, how hard is it to obey? She can't cook. I think she's slowly trying to poison me with her food. Okay, two words. Road rage. Two words. Shopaholic. Have I mentioned he still has his comic book collection from junior high? Did I mention that she still makes fun of me for having a comic book collection from junior high? He's addicted to television. She's addicted to purses. And I don't understand this, but for some reason she manages to lose every purse she owns in the house. Seriously, how hard is it to lose something this big? I thought we were supposed to be on the same team. Uh, I'm still on the same team. Apparently you defected, started playing for some other team that you made up in your mind. That doesn't even make any sense. Well, you don't make any sense. Well, your gummy bears don't make any sense. Oh, you're stupid. Well, you're stupid. Well, you made me this way. Gah! I'm sorry. I'm sorry, too. The purpose of marriage isn't to make us happy. It's to make us holy as we become more like him. I promise to love, honor, and respect you as you become more like him. And I promise to love, cherish, and protect you as you grow to become more like him. Like him. Just like him. It's not going to be easy. No, it's not going to be easy. But it is good. And anything that good is always worth fighting for. I promise to Amen. love. Praise the Lord. Praise okay. The Lord. So what does God desire most of marriage? Amen. Holiness. We don't get married for happiness. Amen. Even though we are happy. Happiness is dependent upon what happens. Amen? Joy is something that you have inside that nothing external can shake. That's why the Word of God says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen? And so that's what God desires most out of marriage, that we'll walk holy, that we will be that beautiful picture of God to each other, that we will be more like Him. I'm still stunned from the vision, y'all. <laughs> that was a moment just to see that. But, um, you know, it's interesting because I was watching The Pursuit of Happiness last night. I don't know how many of you actually saw the movie. How many people saw The Pursuit of Happiness? And there's a line that stuck with me, and he, uh, it was when he was actually at the booth, and um, the coin with George Washington, and he was getting ready to get on the bus, and he basically stated a quote by George Washington, and he said, everyone has the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And he said, now I understand why he said the pursuit of happiness. It's something that you pursue, but it's almost like you almost never really grab hold to it. But you can pursue it. But God never 
necessarily said that you will be happy, but he did say that he'll give us joy, right? And joy stays with us even through the bad times, whereas happiness is just temporary. So that's something to think about. Joy versus happiness, not the same. Mm. All right, what's the next one? I'm married to a non-believer. Uh-oh. What do I do? Please help. Okay. Everybody take a deep breath. One, two, three. <sighs> okay. Here we go. Let's say you married a non-believer. A lot of times I see this situation where you have the wife who is really spiritual, who, who loves the Lord, who's a follower of Jesus, and then you have the husband who is not as committed to the Lord. And I've seen the reverse, too. Well, you've seen the husband who's here with the kids, amen, and with the wife, oh, she's home or she's doing whatever, and she's not walking with the Lord. Well, these are some of the keys that I believe the Word of God gives us, and I'm going to just share briefly on them. First of all, if you are a believer, amen, and your spouse is not walking with the Lord, first of all, you're to love them regardless, because the Bible says that we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. But Jesus also gave the commandment that we're to love our enemies. And so if we feel like we're sleeping with the enemy, or sometimes we feel like, you know, this person doesn't have the same um, spiritual understanding or commitment level that I do in my relationship with God, God still says you ought to be the bigger person and to love your spouse. Now, now, that's, that, 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 now that's excluding if you're in a domestic violent situation, okay? So if there's some type of abuse going on, the Bible says that we are to live in peace. If there's constant, constantly no peace in the home, then the Bible says, come let us reconcile. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about where our relationship is going to end up at. Because right now, if you're not at peace and I'm not at peace, then something has to shift here. And so the, the Bible says then it's best for you to, to separate. Okay, let's go and let's, let's read the word of God, the word of God says. If a woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing, here's the word, willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. She must not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife. And the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. So in other words, because there is one person in that marriage who is a believer, God sanctifies the whole marriage. So in other words, that spouse that's not a believer is covered because you are covered. Amen? And God said he'll protect you and your household. Amen? So he's covered. As long as he or she wants to stay, then you have to love her. Amen? Let's keep on reading the word of God. It says, but if the unbeliever leaves, let him do so. Bye-bye. Sayonara. Nice knowing you. A believing man or woman is not bowed in such circumstances. Okay? God has called us, here it is, to live in peace. He's called us to live in peace. How do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband, or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? What Paul is saying here, live as an example to your unbelieving husband or wife, because you don't know if your very lifestyle is going to affect their lifestyle. You keep praying for them. 
you, you, you keep encouraging them. You keep inviting them. You keep encouraging them to, 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 be, to be a part, to come out to God's house, to come to church, to, to read the Bible, to pray together. You keep doing the things that are necessary to share your faith with them, and you let God handle the rest. Now, women, you don't beat the man upside the head. And you don't compare him to your pastor. Well, my pastor said, because then he's going to think, well, who's the real man in your life? Your pastor or me? Because women do that sometimes. So you have to make sure that he is still the head. Women, minister to your husband. Amen. Love on him, whether he come to church or not. Love on him. Let me tell you, if you take care of him, let me tell you after a while, he'll be like, well, what God do you serve? I want to know about this Jesus. Wow. And he want to become a part of that. So... I hope that was some help to you. That was 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 13 to 16. Pastor Verna. And to our singles, don't bank on him getting saved if he ain't saved, all right? Before Just, you get you, married. Yeah, that before you get married. So give him, give him a chance so that he could get his relationship with God right, so that his relationship with you will be right, all right? Because there's a, there's a cross vertically and horizontally. There's something that happens there. So I know a lot of young women who went in, they're like, oh, he's going to change, he's going to change. All right, hold on. We could barely change ourselves. Mm -hmm. So how can we say we're going to change him? And vice versa. Vice versa. You know, for the young man, don't bank on her changing after you put the ring on the finger. Mm -hmm. You know, however you married her is how you should be able to say, "I I live with you for the rest of my life if you never change. And that's something that you have to be willing to live with when you say, I do. All right. Just just putting that out there. All right. Here we go, Pastor. Let's keep you moving. I'm a married mom with two kids in diapers. And and that that could be a dad, too. But anyway, and I've lost my sexual desire. What do I do? What do I do? Okay. So here it is. Here it is. Here it is. And I think this is, I think this, even if a, a woman is, does not have any kids, I think this is also the challenge for a wife where, amen, the husband wants more of that physical intimacy and the wife is like, I have a headache, you got to rub me or something, you got to love me, I need more of the emotional stuff before, you know, we do all that, oh, I don't want get out of here, I don't, want, I, don't want, I don't even want to deal with that. And so let's talk about this. There's a wonderful book out that talks about women are spaghetti and men are waffles. When you think of a waffle, a waffle is a square component. I should have had a waffle here this morning. A waffle is this square component, and within this this, um, square, you have little squares. And so what we as men do, everything is departmentalized for us. You know, so we have work in this square. That's where we come home for work. We say, let us, leave us alone. Don't be all over us. Honey, how's your day? We don't want to know all that stuff right now. We just want to go into what I call the cave. And maybe we want to turn the television. We just want to unwind. Give us about a half an hour, 40 minutes to an hour the most. Let us just unwind. You know, we're going to check our email. We're going to do whatever we do to kind of transition us. So that's one department. Then we have our sex department. Then we have our finance department. We have so many different departments in the waffle because the man's brain is like a waffle. Okay? So men are waffles. Okay. So 
Women are spaghetti. When I pick up a plate of pasta and I take a fork and I lift it up, for a woman, everything is interconnected. So if, you, if the dishes are not done, if the kids were not picked up after school, and she had to get her hair done, and she had to do this and do that, by the time the evening comes, and you come to her talking about sex, she's not even thinking about that because everything is so connected for her. That's why they talk about, you know, when you want to, you know, married men, when you want to show romance to your wife, it doesn't start in the bedroom. It starts in the morning when you say good morning. Amen. It starts when you do things for her. Um, there's a beautiful book out there. I believe it's by um, Gary Chapman. It talks about your five love languages. You have to know your spouse's love language. In other words, how they communicate love. For instance, my wife communicates love through action. She's not the type of person that I always have to say, I love you, I love you, I love you. You know, you know, you have some females who say, you didn't say I love you. He calls her back, you didn't tell me I love you. And so, you know, that, that, that's not the way she communicates love. The way she communicates love is through action. So the way I show my wife that I love her is I got to empty garbage. I got to clean the bathroom. I got to help her with the laundry. I have to go grocery shopping with her. And then later on, when I want my loving, amen, praise the Lord, ain't no problem. Amen. Hallelujah. Because she has nothing to say or nothing to think about on her mind that will block her from doing what she needs to do. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But on the other hand, me being a man, I'm a person, I like words of affection. Okay? So for me, your actions are good. I like the action part, but... The way I communicate love, amen, I like words of action. So I like, you know, when she begins to, you know, suit me up. Go ahead. Tell me how good I am. You're looking real fine today, Pastor. I do, baby. Mm-hmm. You like my new shoes, beloved? I love them. You know, you that technology. Are, are you going to fix the computer today? I'm going to fix the computer today. I love watching you fixing computers, really? baby. Really? You do? And so, and Let so. Let me stop now. I'll see you later. And so, <laughs> and so that's the type of love language that I communicate. There's other different types of love languages. Love languages, some people like physical touch, and not, not necessarily something that's sensual, but just physical touch, a pat, a rub, that type of thing. That communicates love. We all have different types of love languages. And so it's important that we understand our spouse's love language. So women, there will be times where you will have to sacrifice, amen, and minister to your husband. Like I said last week, your husband's only outlet sexually is you. It's not on pornography. It's not on masturbation. It's not none of them other things. There's no outlets. It ain't in the dirty magazines. There's none of that stuff. You are, God has made you, married wife, his only outlet for that. So the Bible says, amen, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5, this is not a man-made idea. Men didn't come up with this. God said it. Let's go to the Word. Do not deprive each other except by what? Mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. So in other words, don't be talking about I'm a praying fast today. Sorry, we can't do none today. No, no. It's by mutual consent. Do not deprive each other. Because you have many women, I don't know why he went out and cheated on me. Why he looking at the girl? Why he flirting with her? 
But what are you doing? What are you doing? I don't know why she flirted with my, with, with my friend like that. Well, what are you doing? What are you doing? If the grass looks greener on the other side, it's time to water your own lawn. It's time to water your own lawn. Stop looking at everybody else's lawn. Water your own. If your grass is brown and dry, get some water. Water it down. And by next season, you have a beautiful, green, luscious lawn. And so you don't have to look at anybody else's lawn but your own. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's move on. All right. How much should I reveal about my sexual past? Okay, here we go. Were you, in a, were you according one another, you're in a dating relationship. As the relationship is getting serious, and as you are going, amen, deeper into your relationship, this is one of the things that you should talk about as you talk about marriage. If there's some type of um, engagement happening and you're going deeper within your relationship, then this is the time when you begin to talk about your past. Not beforehand, not on the first day. We're talking about, you're going to be my life partner. I'm looking to connect with you. I'm looking to, to, to be one with you. This is, is, is the time that you should share. Now, when I say about share, I'm not, I'm not talking about giving specifics on what you did and how you did it and how you, no, 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 no. We're just saying that this is what, it, these are my partners, this is my past. And I reveal my past so that it doesn't block my future. So that when we do get married, and I do have a sexual past, no one ever comes up to me and says, oh, I've been with him, or she's been with me. And, oh, no, I know about all that. There's no surprises. Because whatever you keep hidden in the dark will come out to the light one day. And so you have to make sure that you reveal that stuff. And you have to remember something. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. You do not hold your past, your spouse's past, against him. You don't do that. If Christ has forgiven him, how much more so should you forgive him? Because you're not perfect, and I'm not perfect. We all have our mistakes. We all have our baggages. So we have to be careful and show God's love. So whom the sun sets free, John 8:36, is free indeed. Let's pull the last one. All right. My husband just confessed to sexual sin. Uh-oh. How do I know if he's over his problem? Okay. Here's the thing. If your husband, or let's, 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 let's say if your wife, has confessed that they've been struggling with sexual sin, and they're confessing, honey, I'm dealing with this. Honey, I'm struggling with this. This is, this is something that I, I, I'm going through. Your job, first of all, you might be upset, and that's natural. That's natural. But we don't stay upset. We don't stay in a place of anger, we go to a place of mercy. And we go to a place of being supportive to our spouse. Not tearing down our spouse, but building up our spouse. We have a promise in the Word of God. It's in Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. And it says, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. So what you're to do to the spouse that, 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 that has received this news is to give your spouse grace, to pray for them, to support them, to be an encouragement to them, and help them walk through the process. You don't ignore it, but we hear, okay, okay, we know. We follow up, we meet, we pray, we ask how your week is going. We hold our spouse accountable. We don't beat them upside the head. Okay, we don't internalize it. 
and hold it, and every time he makes us mad, we throw that in his face. No, we don't do that. That's not the type of attitude that Christ will have us to, to, to exemplify, but an attitude of grace, an attitude of mercy, an attitude of, of showing compassion, amen, to our spouse. That's the type of love, that's the type of, of response that we should have if our spouse is dealing with a sexual sin. Amen? I have one more question for you, Pastor. Gotta make it quick. All right. All right. How do you respect the position of leadership without taking the place of your husband, if he's, especially if he's off track? <laughs> well, you respect the position of your husband by taking your position. Your position, if we're talking about a wife, your position is to remain submissive to him. That, now, let, let me explain what that means, because some women take this out of context and said, well, if my husband is not submissive to Christ, I'm not being submissive to him. Who are you to judge whether your husband is submissive to Christ or not? That's the first step. The first thing, God commands you to be submissive. Now, again, you're not his slave, so if he's telling you to do things that, 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 that is disrespecting you, then that's different. That means you're not living in peace with each other. But your job is to exemplify Christ and be submissive to him. Amen? Showing him love, showing him that example of what a godly wife should be. So you're not overstepping the bounds. You're not just getting up making decisions in the household. You are talking about the decisions. Now, if you have the communication problems, again, you're not living in peace. And so you need to come to a point of reckoning where you're communicating effectively to each other so you can be on the same page. Saved or not saved, believer or not believer, that's just how the world works. If we don't communicate effectively, we won't get anything done. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a praise. This, did this help you today? Yeah. Amen. Were you encouraged today? Amen. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you today. We thank you for this time, this Q&A session. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for being present, for helping us to communicate effectively, oh God, the answer to these questions. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth, Lord. This is not our saying. This is not our doing. This is what you have spoken through your word. And we thank you for that today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth today. The truth that sets men's hearts free. So we bless you even now. And we thank you. If you were ministered to today by 